Today we talk about all things Grand Rapids. Steve Matson of Matson Angling Promotions joins us, and our final Lake of the Week of the Year is coming up too. And welcome to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Well, Steve Matson joining us today as we uh, we check out the eastern side of Paul Bunyan Country over in the Grand Rapids area. Steve, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for taking time today. Hey, it's my pleasure, Kev. I uh, always enjoy getting the time to talk with your you and and talk uh, get about the Grand Rapids area with uh, your greater audience. You know, as we were uh, chatting before we got going, one of the things I had noted was how much bass talk I'm doing these days. And it doesn't seem to matter if I'm talking to somebody from Alec, Brainerd, Bemidji, Grand Rapids area. Bass has certainly seemed to become a much more popular uh, force in the last, I'd say, five years yeah there's there's no question about it i mean if you look at uh you know the nation um you know down south uh, i think bass is probably the what, what everybody goes after the most um you know and panfish as well but yeah you look up north and up here in this north country walleye has always been the king and uh just for you know the good fight and obviously the great table fair people love to, to eat their walleye and but yeah, over the last few years, uh, it's it's really catching fire. Uh, like you mentioned, um, you got all this uh, high school stuff and the college things, and uh, with all of that, uh, you know, and, and we have outstanding bass fishing in this area. We have for a, a long time, and the guys that have been fishing bass, you know, pretty uh, uh, extensively over the, their their lifespan, know that uh, we have great bass fishing up here. There's just no question about it. So. Uh, once once these college kids and the high school kids get out there and they start to compete and see that's just it really shows what showcases this the area up north of what what great bass fishing we have so it's kind of a definitely a win-win i know that uh, you know some of the bigger circuits have worked their way up north and you know they fished in minnetonka and Relax and some of the bigger bodies of water to have, uh, you know, a great, great big events. But then you have the major league fishing where they can fish smaller bodies of water. And, you know, next thing you know, they're up on Pacagama. And so, uh, you know, and, and they were setting records when they were coming up here, just as many fish as they were catching uh, in the Grand Rapids area on Trout Lake and Coleraine and Pacagama and, you know, some of the lakes up north, Trout, uh, uh, big big trout that is mm-hmm. um, and and turtle lake so yeah i mean we we're blessed in this area there's no question about it so uh, we have plenty of bass and it's it's probably no surprise that uh you know everybody's kind of getting on the bandwagon and and trying to get out and catch their fair share of them well there's no secrets anymore and and certainly Bassmaster, for example has been an excellent uh uh, marketer uh, of, of bass fishing and, and their brand. And so um, 
it it just seems like yeah, it, it's a bit of a juggernaut. I I wonder though if the longtime bass anglers are are getting a little mad that their secret spots aren't secret anymore. You know I, that that's a really good point. I mean, uh, the guys that have you know had to cut their teeth on you know finding uh, spots and weed beds and things by lining up this birch tree with you know that tower and whatever else. Um, you know, those days are long gone, and those guys really had to put a lot of sweat equity into finding good spots. And, you know, nowadays with our the technology, it's it's really incredible. I mean, guys, uh, you know, they can go out on the YouTube and learn how to do a technique because they're, you know, everybody and their brother has some type of, uh, you know, YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, people that, that are willing to put the time in to learn, I mean, there's just, there's so much out there for them that, um, you know, with the technology and the map chips and now, you know, forward-facing sonar, I mean, they're just, there's very, very little bit of uh, things out there that uh, are unknown. Uh, and so, yeah, so kids kids are really smart with technology <laughs> these days, so they get in the boat and learn all this stuff, and it's, like, exciting, you know. It's almost like, a, you know, living in a, a video game, so to speak. So, you know, it, it's it's really good to see that, you know, something that's, uh, you know, lifelong sport that they can get into and use technology and use their mind and think. And um, it, it is incredible, though. Yeah, the old the old timers, I think, are just shaking their head like, how in the world can a, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old kid, you know, go out and win a tournament that quickly? I mean, usually it would take decades to, you know, cut your teeth and to learn all this stuff and techniques and all that. And nowadays, Man, it's just they, they pick it up like right now, and they're just a uh, force to be reckoned with. Well, I guess, you know, you go back and say, you know, back in the early days of automobiles, they were going, you know, 15 miles an hour, and they thought that was fast. So an 18-year-old kid can go 100 miles an hour. That's probably not recommended, but it can happen. Uh, technology <laughs> yeah. is just that way. Yep, absolutely is. No, no question about it. Um, so we talked uh, earlier in the year, but uh, since then, how has the fishing been over in the Grand Rapids area for all species? Yeah, uh, it's been a, a pretty average year, I guess. I don't didn't can't really say that it's stuck out over uh, other years uh, as far as like you know much much better catch rates or size or anything like that. But uh, um, it, it's 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 been a decent year, I would say. It, it didn't seem like it had as much pressure on the lakes as it did the year before, but nonetheless, there were still a lot of people out there, uh, you know, getting fishing in, whether it's panfish or walleyes or or bass. But uh, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I think there has been a lot more people out bass fishing. That's one thing that I do recognize on the lakes around here. Um, you know, normally it'd be. Uh, weekends that you'd see some pressure and i would say most of the times that i was lucky enough to get out during the week there was there was other people out there doing the same thing so definitely uh still more pressure than there say there was you know five ten years ago but uh i don't think there was much as much pressure as there was a couple years ago and catch rates have been great um as far as bass goes uh Pekegama, i actually uh happened to catch my personal best smallmouth out there uh like a week and a half ago, and that was 6.41 pounds, big, healthy, healthy fish. And uh, it seems like the smallmouth size has, has really been up there this year. Maybe not uh, quantity, but quality definitely is, is thumbs up and through the roof. And um, and I think that's a testament just to 
people getting better at fishing and like I said, uh, the technology, using the technology to find out where they're at and forward facing sonar, they really can't hide. You can go sniff them out wherever they are and you put enough time in behind it, you're going to see where the fish are and what they're relating to and, you know, we, we know what type of baits to throw in and throw at them and so that, that all helps. But walleye fishing, I think, has just been, been average. It hasn't been gangbusters uh, at all. Uh, and panfish, uh, really, really didn't see a whole lot of guys out fishing panfish, but, uh, where I, where I did see them on the lake, they were definitely grouped up and they've been grouped up for a couple, three weeks now. You find, you find them and you find the mother load. Um, and so if a guy's willing to put the time in to, you know, spend, spend some time trying to search them out, then, uh, you know, they're going to be definitely rewarded once they land on, uh, land on school. Would you say the uh, the walleye bite was somewhat hampered by the drought situation this year? You know, I don't really think that I can uh, think that that had an effect on it. I don't. Okay. I don't know what uh, your other uh, people are saying. I guess on the show, but uh, I, I don't think it really had an effect. I mean, it 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 may have affected some of the water quality and, and things of that nature, but I, I don't really think that it affected the bite that much. Um, I know some of the lakes were down, um, but, you know, as far as the, the amount of water, some were down, you know, as much as a foot, but uh, I think that the fish just kind of related to similar to similar to whatever structure it is and maybe moved a little bit deeper, but uh, it really didn't affect anything as far as bite, bite goes. Okay. Um, one of the lakes I've been real curious and been kind of watching closely the last couple of years has been Winnie, as it seems to be getting uh, turned around as far as getting good eater-sized fish in there again. What are we seeing over on Winnie? Yeah, Winnie's uh, starting to get a little bit more uh, attention again. Uh, of course, as the water temperature starts to cool and it start heading into fall, uh, it, it does get a lot of attention, and rightfully so. Uh, I know that uh, getting a lot of seen a lot of fish in the seven to ten foot of water. Uh, water temp is around 67 degrees, so it's lowering down into the 60s. And as it continues to low, I, it's only going to get better. Um, so uh, guys are seeing, you know, catching some fish. Obviously, it's it's a jig and minnow bite. Uh, leeches are past tense, and crawlers are past tense. So it's all kind of a minnow thing. Um, but yeah, guys are seeing some fish suspended and saying they're a little bit harder to, to catch those fish, and but uh, they are getting their fair share uh, with the jigging minnow, like I said, 7 to 10 feet of water, and kind of up on the north shore. Uh, it's not not back in, in, as good as it was in its glory days, but uh, I think we've talked about it in, in the prior uh, call there where he said we got some good, um, you know, good, good hatches of minnows and uh, good, uh, you know, walleye, um, walleye population that's coming back. So I, I think it is helping, and it, like I said, it's not as good as the glory days, but it is it is coming back, and guys are starting to, to head back out there again. Well, I think I think Winnie got hit with a couple of things at the at around the same time. You know, I mean, every, every lake goes through cycles, and it was going through one of those down cycles, which is changing. But it was about the same time as the zebra mussels were really starting to take hold, and that water was clearing up much more than it had been in the past. So there are a lot of things for anglers to adjust to. Hey, no, no question about it. I mean, uh, you know, those zebra mussels do clean up the water, and uh, the guys that are used to fishing clear water lakes like the kegama around here know that uh, they can be a little more 
spooky and uh, you know you got to be a little bit more attentive to line size and jigs and all that stuff and you know back in the day i think it was a little bit more forgiving on on the big lake and and guys really had to hone their skills a little bit just to get some bites as uh you know like you said the population was down and the water cleared up but seems like we're we're heading to kind of a new normal and i think guys are smart enough now that they're making the adjustments that they need to and staying in contact with uh, with the walleye and, you know, that's just something more and more people on more and more lakes are going to have to get used to. I know the Castle Lake people had to make a big adjustment, as clear as that lake was, was to begin with. Um, we're mm-hmm. starting to see that on Bemidji. We didn't see the uh, the uh, algae bloom like we typically do. And there are, you know, keep hearing more lakes that have it. So, yeah, anglers are going to have a big period of adjustment on a lot of lakes over the next five to ten years. No question about it, but I, I mean, I think as as a whole, I mean, anybody who's grown up fishing around in this area is, is kind of used to that, anyways. I and mean, we don't have, you know, brackish or muddy or, you know, super super stained water. I mean, you get up into Rainy Lake or whatever, you get some tannic acid stain, but it's you know generally it's still pretty clear. So um, guys have been working on you know making sure that they have realistic presentations and fine-tuning that over the years anyway so it's not a huge adjustment but for those you know that are used to just fishing one body of water and you know have everything just ingrained in their head of how they're going to catch them then yeah then then there's then there's some major changes for those folks you you mentioned Pacagama. What a unique body of water. Anglers love to fish that lake. It can be incredibly frustrating however but boy uh, that's a lake that just produces, I don't care what the species is, really big fish. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, the smelt population and the bait population out there, just it really helps. And it's an oily oily uh, forage for them, so it, whatever it does, it just helps them to grow and grow healthy. And, um, and so you're right. I mean, panfish all the way through the bass to uh, walleyes, pike, uh, even... They planted muskies in there, you know, a decade ago, and um, some people are starting to see a few of those as well. And, yeah, when you got a healthy forage, you're definitely going to have a lot of healthy predator fish, um, no question about it. The problem is, of course, that's one of the reasons why it can be very tough to fish. They've got plenty of <laughs> food to choose from, <laughs> so to get them to bite your bait can be a very difficult t- thing sometimes. Yeah, and that's where sometimes you, you know, hate to use the out of the box thing, but sometimes you have to do that. And sometimes you, you got to switch up your techniques and, you know, look for some type of reaction strike or, you know, trolling crankbaits or, uh, you know, with clear water, a lot of guys will, will follow the, you know, the moon phase and they'll get out there on the full moon and troll crankbaits around. It's always been a fantastic way to catch, you know, uh, big ones as well as uh, nice nice limit fish and and that was no different guys did that quite a bit this summer too and i think they had had some success you you get some windows i mean sometimes you got to stay out later than you want to but um you know usually you put enough time in out there trolling creek baits so you're gonna uh you know catch your fish but yeah pakegama can be can be a little tricky at times because, like you said, they got so much food. And I think the one thing that's been been interesting is just the change. Uh, you know, if they have, if they get accustomed to looking at like little tiny smelt, and when they have great hatches of that, I mean, you can see these smelt balls all over the place. Well, they're not four to five inch smelt; they're just they're tiny. They're you know inch and a half or 
two inches at best, uh, and by the thousands, and they'll come, you know, and kind of drift by your boat, or you can see them on your, you know, your traditional 2D sonar or your forward-facing sonar, and so I think these fish get used to used to that, and that's that's what kind of can throw you off as well. Is you know you're used to thinking fish big baits, and and sometimes these things are just they're really dialed in to the the tiny forage that's out there by the by the thousands. You know, it's almost like a bug hatch, <laughs> if you will, where you know walleyes will get on the mayfly bite, and sometimes you you no matter what you throw at them, uh, you know it's tough tough to get a bite unless you switch things up and get a reaction strike but it's the same thing with these these little bait balls uh you know i'm sure there's um you know full-grown adult uh smelt out there and there's a whole different bite there but in and around the the structure it seems like you get a lot of these little ones and that's that that's what makes it difficult to, to get the bite and sometimes guys have to switch over to leeches just to offer them uh something different you know the the pizza buffet is there always. Sometimes you got to throw them a cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not going to ask for Steve's super secret spots. I, I know he, nobody wants to do that. But outside of the usual suspects, you know, that we all know about, what are some pretty good lakes in the Grand Rapids area that maybe get overlooked somewhat? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the Diamond Jewel is Pekegama. And, you know, on the show, I, I've, you've heard me talk about trout. It, it sets up very similar to Pekegama. So, guys, that are used to Pekegama and just want to try something different. Trout and Coleraine is, is, is really similar. And I think it does not get as much pressure as Pekegama does. So that's, that's one to check out. <clears throat> Deer, Deer Lake up North, full of structure, same thing. It's got super clear water and, uh, you know, there's enough structure out there that, uh, it, it could take you, uh, you know, a couple decades of summers out there before you fish at all. So a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of room to explore up there. Okay. Um, those, those are the, the three. I mean, you, you think of the Wobana chain, same thing. I mean, it gets even, you know, less pressure there, and it's it's a lot of setup very similar. It's clear water. It's got a lot of structure and points and humps and uh, good forage base. And we just, I mean, we have a lot of options uh, in this area. We're very, very blessed, very fortunate to have uh, many, many opportunities. Uh, you got some of the other lakes, uh, Bass Lake, you know, it's mainly a panfish lake, but doesn't doesn't get looked at that much um some of the stained lakes like uh split hand uh get a little pressure earlier in the season than later in the season it's you really don't hear much about it but yeah i mean those those are the main ones and then of course itasca county is just littered with uh all kinds of little lakes that you can you get into and you know not not major walleye factories but they're definitely going to have uh you know a catchable population of fish in there that's for sure Many more topics to discuss with Steve Matson of Matson Angling Promotions. But up next, it's our final Lake of the Week, or in this case, Lakes of the Week, with Mark Pachigalupe of the Brainerd Area Fisheries Office. This is Fish in Paul Bunyan Country. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. Are you looking to plan a fishing trip? Look no further as Bemidji, Minnesota is your year-round destination for walleyes, pike, muskie, bass, perch, crappie, panfish, and more. With over 400 fishing lakes within a 25-mile radius of Bemidji, come take a cast of becoming a fishing legend. While you're on your fishing adventure, come take a picture with the historic Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Discover the first city on the Mississippi... Bemidji, one step further. 
Welcome back to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Lake of the weekday, lake of the weekday, lake of the weekday, holy cow! It is lake of the weekday, and today it's kind of lakes of the weekday, as we are talking about Rabbit Lake, which actually is two uh, separate basins. If you look on a map, they, they look like two different lakes, but uh, apparently they're easy to access. We're, we're talking with Mark Bacigalupe. He's the Brainerd Area Fisheries Supervisor. Before we started recording, Mark, you told me that, uh, yeah, they are separate basins, but the access is in the middle. Yeah, I mean, we even have two separate surveys for the each basin. But um, the characteristics are really similar, and uh, as as you mentioned, the the access for both of them is shared in the center. It's uh, County Road 31, um, north of the little town of Cuyuna. Uh, you know, if you were coming from Ironton, you'd be coming up 31, and uh, a lot of people might be coming up Highway 6 and take a right turn on 30 to get up and around those lakes and in between them then. And then you get the access, and then you either take a left or right, depending on where you want to go. That's right. That's right. We had touched on mine pits that became lakes, and you had mentioned this one. So this is not a natural lake? Well, most of the lake is natural. And uh, way back in the 50s, you know, it's in the Cuyuna Iron um, Range of, uh, you know, some people know the, the mine pit areas mm-hmm. of the Cuyuna Country State Recreation Area. Well, this is kind of that uh, northeast tip of that range and it was dug out uh, down to like 337 feet in the east portion uh, of the lake uh, way back when okay so so at one point it was part of the mines but the but the lake had been there as well the, the bulk of the lake yeah that's right it was just it was at the time uh you know diked and probably drained so that they could do some of that mining and then refilled gotcha okay so there's some there's some deep portions yeah, it's it's really unique uh, where you have 337 feet of depth there. Um, of course, you might not want to spend too much time fishing <laughs> that deep. Uh, oxygen can can run out a lot shallower than that. So yes. Um, I, so what will we find on the two uh, rabbits? Well, the rabbits really feature um, really nice sized northern pike for the area, and uh, we have to start there, and then. Also mention the walleyes. Uh, we do fingerling stocking there, and uh, you know some fingerling stock lakes are, are really you're just trying to create an opportunity, and you you might catch one or two a year and be happy with that. While the the rabbits are probably one of the poster children for really being nice fingerling stock fisheries, and you can go there and and really have some good walleye fishing there. So uh, walleyes, northerns uh, are well worth noting. Um, I do see there's some bass mentioned as well. Yeah, the bass are, are good in numbers. Um, uh, maybe the size isn't incredible, <laughs> but really good catch rates. And, and you know, panfish are uh, really good in a lot of parts of the county. And this probably wouldn't be my first stop for panfish. Gotcha. So as far as walleyes and northerns go, what is it about those lakes that make them so successful? Yeah, I'm not sure. We're, we're seeing good growth rates there. and It's a probably pretty good solid forage base. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to say uh, what exactly makes that. Sometimes it's the physical habitat, especially for pike, where they have some cool water and can... can uh, feed on some cisco mm-hmm. um, not necessarily seeing cisco numbers 
in this in this water body. So um, just good growth rates there, and uh, and we'll take it. And the other thing um, that's part of the story here is that um, we have a protected slot limit of 24 to 36 inches for pike there. Um, you know, we usually go to those lakes with regulations to protect um, what is what is already a, a good existing size quality there, and that's and that's been successful in in maintaining and maybe even nudging that size structure up a little for pike. So just something to keep in mind for anglers there, release 24 to 36 inches. Does any uh, of the fish that are in those lakes, do the, does it, any species seem to prefer one side uh, over the other for any reason? Well, what we see in the survey, I mean, the anglers that really get time on the water there might know that a little better. But survey-wise, we see pretty pretty similar um data on both sides it's rabbit lake uh, just a little bit north of cayuna again uh, you're going up 31 you will go right to the access and that is the access for both lakes for people if they want to give it a try uh any concerns on the lake right now well uh getting more unique for the brainerd area we haven't seen invasive species on that lake we'd like to keep it that way if possible yes please 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 Clean those boats. Be careful. Do your due diligence before you get on the water because, yes, although there are plenty of lakes with the AIS, it sure would be nice to have some that don't. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's it's uh, a lot of people are mobile anglers these days, but um, some have been doing a really good job about um, kind of keeping that boat out of the water for 24 hours and letting it dry. Drying is really one of the best ways uh to kill just about everything so all right and again uh if you're looking for walleye action northern action and the chance of catching some big ones seems to be those two lakes or that lake is a good option that's right don't forget the rabbits there north of of crosby so are those well-developed lakes or i know you mentioned a recreation area so i was wondering if there's a lot of public land there or what's what's going on there I would say moderately, you know, you've got a, a good number of homes on the lake, but uh, otherwise, you know, there's some, there's some wetland and forest land there that's, uh, that's just kind of natural setting. Okay. Rabbit Lake, there's an east portion and a west portion. It's our lake or lakes of the week, if you prefer. Mark Bacigalupe from the Brainerd Area Fisheries Office with the details. Mark, thanks again for all the talk. Thanks for having me, as always. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Steve Matson of Grand Rapids, my guest today. We're talking Grand Rapids area fishing. If you're willing to, you know, open your mind beyond walleyes and, and maybe go for bass or panfish or whatever, you really open the number of lakes you can go to. No question about it. I mean, there's like a thousand lakes within whatever, 30 miles here of Grand Rapids. And, um, you know, I promise you, they, they don't get a lot of attention. There's just not enough people, especially this time of year. I mean, the lake's going to be pretty much all to yourself and, you know, catch catch as many as you want out there. Uh, but even even the big lakes, the Pekegama, I mean, once once you get past Labor Day, it, everything just quiets down and, you know, it's it's just it's made, made in heaven for a guy who still likes to fish because you get to go wherever you want to and, you know, the stuff that usually had two, three boats on, you know, and, you know a couple – couple two three weeks or a month month before there's nobody on it and they're usually you know good spots so without the pressure then it's the fish tend to 
bite a little better. And as the water cools, they're going to bite better anyway. So it's it's a win-win for people who still want to get out and, you know, chase their finned friends uh, on the lakes around here. No, no question about it. Well, I mean, my kids for years went to, you know, Blue Water Camp, and uh, so we would go up there every now and then. And, my gosh, lake after lake after lake after lake up there. I mean, it's it's incredible. Yep, yep, there's no question about it. And we, our family, we, we like to try to explore, and we like to go up to the Wabana chain and go through some of the canals and mainly targeting panfish just to get, you know, something to stretch the string. And this is, this is you know, couple couple months ago um and but yeah you're right you go by and there's it's lake after lake after lake and and most of them are all you know clear water and um you know and usually are chock full of fish so there's there's enough there to explore for many lifetimes well what have you been fishing for recently yeah, recently uh, I I really get excited about uh, smallmouth bass. Uh, all, pretty much all year, but this time of year uh, they get to be, you know, the proverbial food bag, and and it's they, it, it's happening, and it and it gets it only gets a little better. And of course, Pacagama is is awesome, and all the lakes around here are, are pretty awesome. But I've been spending some time down on Malax recently as well, trying to learn a little bit about that lake so i've been covering the east side and west side and up north and just kind of getting out there and trying to to get uh in on you know malax was rated one of the top five lakes in the whole nation a few years ago and it's still fantastic but uh yeah i've just really been chasing after smallmouth i'm right on the verge of going after wall uh, walleyes though i i absolutely love doing the the jig and wrap thing and uh, it's going to be setting up here uh, pretty quick on Pacagama. I already been out there locating a few schools. Really haven't targeted them yet, but uh, I will be here, you know, within the next week to two, and that should continue to go all the way through October. So that's something that my son and I really enjoy, and really looking forward to doing that. Um, you know, and that's that's we got with forward facing sonar that kind of changes it too because you can stay back. You don't have to get vertical on them, so you can do some casting. Um, and so with uh, puppet minnows, you know, if you do some casting, sometimes the, the forward hook can get, uh, uh, you know, tangled up in some of the weeds and some of the things on the bottom. So one of, one of the quick tips is you can use a, a shear, uh, you know, a side cutter or, you know, wire cutter and kind of cut off that front hook and then kind of makes it more like uh, some other brands out there don't have the hooks on the front. And so... If you're doing casting, it's just a little tip for your your listeners. If you cut that off, it's going to help you so you don't drag up weeds and anything, debris and stuff like that that's on the bottom and allows you to cast it a little bit more from the boat. But, you know, when the fish get into 35, 40 feet of water, a lot of times it's it's a vertical thing, so you're not too far away from the boat. But um, usually you can keep the treble, front treble on for that. But even if you did take it off, uh, you know, between the, or not the treble, but the, the front hook, but between the treble and the back hook, usually that's going to allow you to catch catch your fair share of fish, anyways. But that's really I am really looking forward to that. Uh, it's I'm right on the cusp of cusp of it. It might be a little early yet, but it's it's getting pretty doggone close. That I'm getting pretty excited and anticipating a pretty good bite here this fall. In addition to these uh, these great fishing options, we have some great hunting options here too. Do you get out hunting, or is this just too much fishing to do? <laughs> that's uh you know it, 
that's the one thing that I, I hate about fall is there's just not enough time. I mean, I, I love the seasons. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I, I mean, there's just something about fall. Uh, there's just not enough time. I mean, I, I love doing uh, grouse hunting and, uh, you know, I, I archery hunt for deer. And uh, But I, I really love fall fishing, but it, it's it, I, I find that it's one of those things where it's hard to be good at, at all of them. You know, I, as much as I like to, to switch things up and to, you know, go into the field, I just, I really love fishing this time of year. I mean, there's just something about it. You get a chance for your biggest fish, uh, and certainly numbers go way up, and nobody's out there. So any spot that pops into your head, you go over there, and there's nobody there. So uh, you just, I, I just run around this time of year on the lakes and just have full anticipation. And most of the time, you're you're not let down if you're willing to put a little bit of work in that's that's for sure but yeah it's i mean falls up here are just like i said they're just they're far too short there's way too much stuff to do and that's that's awesome it's awesome in its own regard but, uh it's it's hard to do it all and and keep mama happy at home <laughs> <laughs> yeah and yeah, that's really important steve that's really it important is. it is <laughs> yeah no, I've been married 25 years now, so it's I, I have learned that, and thankfully I learned that pretty early on. So. <laughs> well, I think it's it's just it's so odd, and it's it's just kind of ironic that the season that has the most stuff happening, you're going back to school, your fishing's at its best, hunting season's going on, is also like the shortest season of the year. It, it's not fair. Yeah. No, it, it isn't. It really isn't. And, you know, the tough part about being where where we live is, I mean, it just seems they get a cold front come through and our falls can get shot, cut short pretty quick and hello winter, you know. Yeah. Ho- hopefully that won't be the case because that makes things even worse. But uh, you just you just never know up here. I, I think it was just, I don't know if it was last year or a couple of years ago, it was mid-October and we already had snow on the ground, so... Hey, but, uh, like I said, hopefully that won't be the case. But yeah, uh, I know that uh, I'm hearing, you know, from a, a number of people, you know, a lot of lakes down here that drought really hit them hard as far as depth goes, and and you know, unless we get a lot of rain, it's not going to be a great recovery. And there are some lakes that are concerned because of that uh, lack of water that when it freezes over, there could be some winter kill. What about the lakes over there? How affected have they been by the drought? Yeah, I, I think that uh, for the most part, we haven't been hampered too, too bad. Um, I know that you mentioned that we're going to take, take a lot of rain. I know at one point I did some research and the DNR said that we're going to need like, you know, six to eight inches of rain over the course of a month to kind of get us back to the normal. You know, it can't all come in one deluge, otherwise it's basically just going to run right off and go in the river and you know, go away. It needs to be a sustained kind of a slow rain just to kind of build back up in the soil and all the lakes and stuff. So, um, but I, I mean, it, it did affect some of the landings, some of the shallower landings. It was harder to, you know, just to get your boat in and um, that that sort of thing. And, you know, some of the docks looked like they were higher out of the water. And But all in all, I think around here, it, it really didn't have any major, major impacts. I know Mississippi River, it, it is something that gets a tiny bit of attention. Most rivers don't get that much attention, but around here it's actually pretty good musky and smallmouth and walleye fishing. And I know that that was pretty unique because that was the lowest I had ever seen it in, you know, definitely decades. But 
there certainly was some water flowing through, and there was deep enough holes that, you know, they kind of congregated a lot of the fish. Uh, so I'm sure some guys really had some pretty hot hot areas. But as far as the lakes go, um, really didn't have any, any really major impacts that, that I'm aware of. Okay. Well, that's that's good news. Um, I know that there's, like I say, there's some here people are going to be watching very closely. And, of course, you know, if we need moisture, then we need a lot of snow. But that can really hamper your ice fishing if we get too much snow, too, especially early, if we get it too much too early. That's no, that's exactly right. Uh, it, it's something that uh, it, it does unfortunately affect us. I mean, we've had a lot of, like you said, we've got a lot of winters where we get a little bit of ice, and then here comes the snow, and then we got flush all year, and people can't get to where they need to get to, and it makes it even tough sometimes on snowmobiles pulling, you know, falling through a, a crust and hitting all that slush. So it's that's something uh, you definitely don't want to don't want to have. That's for sure. Is you want to have a good good base and just some light snow um, early on. A lot of people tell me that fall is definitely their favorite time to fish. There are some that, that think ice fishing is the cat's meow. Uh, what, when's your favorite time to fish? Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I, I really do. I mean, I I, I enjoy the seasons and I, I enjoy. Um, I enjoy ice fishing, no no doubt about it. I, I love getting out there. It's time that I get to spend with my son. My son really likes to ice fish. Um, I, I tend to be uh, a guy who, who moves. I mean, I always try to adapt. Uh, I never try to get, you know, stuck in my mind that I'm going to catch them on this spot, on this presentation, you know, just because it's let me down so many times. So I'm always always trying to adapt and um you know, and that that makes it harder for ice fishermen um, because you, you kind of tend to need to hunker down in one spot, and so you kind of have to do your research and um, you know make sure that you're in a good spot because it is a lot of work. It's a lot of extra work to be able to get everything set up and set your fish house up or whatever, and drill the hole and put the electronics down. And um, but I still like it, you know. I, I still like that that aspect of it. It's different. But, you know, with open water, it's so much easier to move and to follow the fish and do all that. That uh, That's why I love fall fishing uh, probably the most. And that's uh, spring fishing is, you know, when you come out of winter and, you know, that that's awesome too. So, I, I mean, I just, I do. I love fishing throughout all the seasons and I'll take whatever card is, is dished to me and make the, make the best of it. I mean, I think you got to keep that right mental attitude and uh, of course i'm always willing to learn and and grow and so that that always helps too because there's uh, an endless endless opportunities to to grow and to learn and so i think with that mindset it just helps you um you know be appreciative and be thankful that we do have these opportunities to do this around here steve are, are you doing any guiding yeah yep I take on uh, opportunities uh, as, okay. as they come up. I don't uh, actively uh, pursue things. I mean, I definitely have my web page and, you know, have feelers out there. But uh, it, sometimes it's hard to fit everything in. But I do take on trips, uh, especially in the fall. It seems to be work best with my schedule and as groups come in. And uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely do do some trips. Got to take out uh, the lead singer of uh, little texas this summer for a bass bass fishing trip it's kind of unique i mean we've talked about it earlier that 
you know, walleye's the king, and most people that come up here to, to pay to go fishing, and they want to be able to take something that they, something home that they can eat. And uh, but this guy actually wanted to go specifically for bass and specifically for smallmouth, so uh, got to do that this summer, and that was fantastic. We we're able to get him into some fish and had a really good day of bass fishing. Actually went out to Kegama that day. Um, so yeah, um, I take okay. up take trips. It's not my full time thing, but uh, you know, we definitely like to help uh, catch help people catch some fish and and see what our area is all about. Well, if a a poor clueless soul like myself wanted to experience some Grand Rapids fishing, how would they go about getting something set up? Well, you can uh, give me a phone call anytime at two one eight two four four five zero nine two. Okay. Or you can reach me, uh, my email address is steve at mathenangling.com. Okay. And we can look at the calendar and get something to work out. Well, if we were heading out to the wa- on the water this weekend, uh, based on the temperatures and the things you're seeing out there, what what should we be doing right off the bat? I mean, right off the bat, I keep a, keep an open mind. Uh, recently, I would say that the, the fish are, they're starting to get grouped up, but I think they're still pretty spread out. Uh, the water temperature is dropping into the, into the 60s, like I mentioned earlier, but uh, fish are pretty still spread out. So it's not like you can just land on a school and just have a, a whack fest. Um, you got to <laughs> put your time in, move around a little bit. I think you just, you got to be versatile. You got to try. You know, if you're going for walleyes, it's obviously a jig and minnow thing, but uh, clear water lakes like Pekegama, don't be afraid to slide out in the 30, 35 feet, uh, even down to 40 feet and look for the schools. And if they're there, uh, jig and minnow certainly will work. Or, you know, if you want to drag uh, rig bigger minnows like the red tails or creek chubs, you're going to get bit doing that as well. But uh, my favorite technique is the puppet minnow or the the jigging wraps and just get drop it down there and do slow methodical jigs and you're gonna you're gonna catch your fish there bass um you know bass fishing is gonna still be hot here for a while uh it's not cold cold but uh i'd, I'd start looking to flip more jigs around any green vegetation or in the reeds um i think you're gonna have a pretty good slot bite here with your hollow body frogs uh probably for another couple weeks so if you find any slop be feel free to do that um panfish they're they're grouped up i mean they've been grouped up uh for a couple weeks now so this guy wants to you know use some tiny swim baits uh like little mimic minnow fries and things like that usually you cast them around enough that you're finally gonna catch the fish and then usually you can just load up on them uh continue to throw mimic minnow uh, fry or little, you know, crappie minnows or things like that uh you know even down to some of your ice fishing techniques once they're grouped up um, so it's, it's, it's an exciting time, but I think you got to be versatile this, this time. I mean, a couple weeks from now, uh, I think you're going to have to, you know, hunker down. You're going to, you're going to have to find, find the schools and then you'll be able to catch them. But right now, I, like I said, I think you got to be versatile, uh, move around a little bit, but, uh, usually as the water cools, uh, you are going to be rewarded even if you move around a little bit to, to find them. All right, he is Steve Matson of Matson Angling Promotions. Always love to have him on the show. He's got such great information and insight. Steve, as always, thanks for spending the time with us, and uh, good luck when you're out there next time. Thank you very much, Kev. Uh, look forward to these, and uh, look forward to the next one down the road. But, uh, yeah, if you get out, hopefully tight lines for you as well, Kev. 
Well, a reminder, we've only got one more fish in Paul Bunyan country for the year. Doesn't mean we're going away. It's just that we're not going to be here every day like we have been for the last 20 weeks. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors will kick in next week. That'll be a weekly show. It'll air Thursdays at 1 on the Bun Sports Radio 104.5 and Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. And also, of course, will be available via podcast at Podcast One, the PodMN app, or wherever you get your podcast. So we hope you'll tune in for that. We'll also have additional bonus stuff for the for the podcast as well. One final show, as I noted, it's our annual State of the Fishery, and we will hear from the new Bemidji Area Fisheries Supervisor, Edie Everts. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thank you for being here. Fishing, Paul Bunyan Country.